0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people, and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 20 about commandment number four of the Ten Commandments.
1: All right, would you stand for the reading of God's word, Exodus 20? we're beginning at verse eight. It reads this way. Remember, Exodus 20, verse eight, the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this teaching, this insight on a rhythm of life principle that is the Sabbath day, what we know as the Shabbat. And thank you that you gave it to Israel. The principle goes right back to the beginning of time, to the creation account itself. And it carries over to the New Covenant Church as we've gathered on the Lord's Day to honor the resurrection, to come together as the body of Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile. It doesn't matter who we are, where we've come from. We are all one in Christ. And we come to this house of worship to worship our King the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God who entered into time and space in the person of Christ, the one who came to bear our burdens, to give us true spiritual rest, the one who is our Sabbath. And Lord, thank you that you said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How desperately we need to hear this command, Lord, and understand it and apply it So may you be pleased with the way that we both divide your word and respond to it. And may you give us ears to hear what your spirit says to your church in this hour. In Jesus name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Well, we have come to the fourth commandment. That is the Sabbath day. And the command certainly confronts a busy culture. You could even say a culture who has the God of busyness. We are probably the busiest people that have ever existed. And the Jewish people are the only people that ever existed, to my knowledge, who were given a day of rest as a command from the Lord. Recently, I came across a quote from Bill Gates, who has a net worth of $138 billion. He was asked why he didn't believe in God. He said, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more that I could be doing on a Sunday morning, close quote. That's Bill Gates. But Bill Gates is not the only voice that is saying that because the busyness of life has crept into our culture at large and to the church culture. Some of you can remember back in the day when most things were shut down on Sunday in America and culturally we kind of accepted that sunday was a day when most people most families went to church and that has certainly been far removed from our culture now and i'm not saying it's always a good thing for a culture to embrace a day void of the spiritual reasons behind it so certainly we would we would argue that people can become cultural christians but still the day was a good day it was set aside And it was a a day to honor the Lord. And I will say to even business owners, there are a couple businesses that I can think of that have decided to close on Sunday. One of them, if you want to get a chicken sandwich at this place, uh, you have to basically wait around the block. I don't know what they're putting in the chicken, uh, but I was talking to a friend who said, you know, uh, there's something about that chicken. I just find myself craving it. And uh, they're not hurting because they're closed on Sundays. Another company is Hobby Lobby. And they have closed on Sundays and they're doing well as well. So sometimes we think that we have to be squeezed into this mode of the culture. But God is blessing people who honor him. In fact, he says, if you honor me, I will honor you. But this has moved far away and and certainly it has now gravitated into the church culture where I remember back in the day of coaching and playing Little League where Sundays there was no thought of playing Little League baseball on a Sunday. But now travel ball and everything that's going on and people are busy and and, you know, um, I'm, I'm not trying to judge any of that. But I will tell you, I have friends personally who went that direction for the sake of whatever they thought they needed to do to fit in to the culture and the pressure. And they have a a level of regret for going that way because they feel like there were formative years in the family that they missed. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, it's easy to get away from God. And for those of you who are in the regular habit of worshiping on a Sunday morning, you know that a few weeks away from corporate worship and from the teaching of the word of God and what God does when we assemble together, it does affect you. There is a a price to pay for staying away. Hence, we need a command. Isn't it interesting? God has to command us to rest. We need a commandment to slow down. Eugene Peterson put it this way. Nothing less than a command has the power to intervene in the vicious, accelerating, self-perpetuating cycle of faithless and graceless busyness, close quote. It seems like the culture is moving faster than ever, but making little to no spiritual progress. And so the question of the Sabbath comes into our view. And I'm going to give you four things as an outline to follow these uh, verses before us. Number one, if you're taking notes, what to do. That is, what what are we commanded to do? That's in verse 8. Number two, we're going to look at how we are to do it in verses 9 and 10. Number three, we're going to ask the question, why are we to do it in verse 11? And then the final point is going to be, how does it apply to a new covenant church who is not Israel and technically is not under the Sabbath command? What should we do? Some of you may have debated friends who are in movements like Seventh-day Adventism, who basically, you know, the founder of Seventh-day Adventism argued that Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. I mean, geez, that's not even a light middle ground there, right? But what are we to understand about the modern application to a Christian today who's in a new covenant church setting? And we know that the old covenant has been supplanted by the new covenant and the old covenant is obsolete. But we know that the moral commands of the law still apply to us. How are we to work that out? Well, one thing I would say to you is that the civil command is now gone, and, I, and I'm not talking about to a to a Jewish person because a Jewish person might still want to fulfill that or keep that. There's a ceremonial aspect that's been fulfilled of the command of the Sabbath, but there is a moral aspect that remains. Here's an example. Right now, we're teaching through the book of Malachi on Wednesday nights. That's <laughs> the Italian version of Malachi. And in Malachi, there's a... Uh, A warning about a curse if you don't tithe. Well, pastors in the modern church have taken that warning given to the people of Israel in the book of Malachi and used it to beat up modern churchgoers. But it doesn't apply to them. There's no curse that you're going to be under if you don't tithe. But I would also say that the principle still carries over. Ten percent may be a good place to start thinking about giving, but you're not under the law. God loves a cheerful giver. In the same way, the Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commandments not repeated in the New Testament. In fact, there is a there is a uh, verse that would actually say we we don't need to judge each other on the day that we decide to worship. And we'll get to that at the end of the message. But still, I would submit to you that God is giving us kingdom of God. Who is your king kind of questions. A rhythm, if you will, that goes all the way back to creation. And it's simply this. God knows that you and I need a day of rest. But not just a day of rest. A day of reflection. A day of worship. A day to connect with our God and with those around us. A day to remember. And this is exactly how the section starts with the word remember. Exodus 20 verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now in remembering the day, what happens to us is we remember who our God is. See, a covenant is being made at Sinai. God has come down. Heaven has come down to earth and God is voicing the commands to his people. He's saying these are kingdom priorities. If you say that I am your king and you are part of my kingdom, then this is what I would have you to do. I want you to give one day in seven to shut everything down and to draw near to me. I want I want my kingdom and who I am to be the focus of this particular day. And this is a rhythm of life that many of you have gotten into as now you worship regularly on the Lord's day and you have planted your flag and you have said, as for me and my house, this is where we're going to be because Jesus is my king. And I would argue that if you are not consistently in Sunday worship, save all the other things that could be happening, shut ins and the like. But if you are not in regularly a worshiper on a Sunday morning in a church, I wonder whether or not Jesus is really your Lord, because this is a kingdom priority. And I will also say that in the covid era where we have live stream services and people are watching screens, that is not church, because when we come to church, there are several things going on. God inhabits the praises of our corporate worship. We send her to the teaching of the word of God. We use our gifts to serve one another. We pray for the sick. We lay hands. The, the idea of a holy kiss. I'm not saying that you should do it right now. But the idea of a holy kiss goes all the way back to Jesus. There is a, a beauty in the touch, in the hugs, in the welcoming that you can't get watching a TV screen. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that should do that for health reasons, but I'm saying able-bodied people have now used that and it's now the replacement for body life. And that just can't be because there are so many things that you don't get when you're watching it on a screen. Amen.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Join Pastor Michael and some of today's top
0: apologists for the Dare to Defend Conference. On March 10th and 11th, these speakers will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of today's postmodern culture. This year's theme is Keeping the
1: Faith in a Culture of Chaos. Come to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California on March 10th and 11th to hear speakers Detective J. Warner Wallace. The idea that all we have in the universe is random accidents the laws of physics or chemistry then we're not going to get to we're going to see the evidence differently because our presupposition really colors the way we see
0: every piece of evidence in the room dr hugh ross when god created time he was a causal agent that brought into effect time which means at a minimum He's got the equivalent to move and operate in two independent dimensions of time. Back at Cook, and they would say, "Are you moving? Did you did you meet someone? And do you have?" And I'm like, "Well, actually, I did meet someone in Jesus." I mean, they were really stunned, and especially when I got to the part about you know the homosexuality being a sin, some of my friends really got hostile. Dr. Craig Haasen, sure, this Jesus thing sounds good. But, you know, I know nothing about Buddhism, or Islam, or Hinduism, or Mormonism. And how do I know for sure that I've really got the goods? Lenny Esposito. This one conversation shows how much we've confused the motivations for why we believe something with good reasons for believing it. There's only one good reason to believe anything. And that is, if yeah, it's true, Monique Dusan. I think the idea that that's funny racism. Like they let you into their home, and like I was, I came home with PTSD from South Africa and all that. And I think I, I started to really think about like. Well, what if it wasn't racist? And Joe Dallas. If you want to punch somebody out and you punch somebody out, you're not struggling with punching somebody out. You are, in fact, punching somebody out. Register for the Dare to Defend conference on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: But I'm saying able-bodied people have now used that, and it's now the replacement for body life, and that just can't be, because there are so many things that you don't get when you're watching it on a screen. Amen? Amen. And so this is what we are confronted with as we look at the idea of the Sabbath day in a crazy and busy culture. We are to remember it. The Hebrew word zakar means to mark it. It's as if you would set an alarm on your phone or write the weekly appointment on your calendar. Your, this is a kingdom clock, a kingdom of God kind of clock. God says, this is what I want you to do, and I want you to remember the, the Sabbath day, which if you're uh, taking notes, means seven. Sabbath means seven. And the Hebrew word, if you begin to dig down on the word, means to stop. It speaks of cessation, rest, repose, refreshment. So seven is Sabbath, but it also has the idea of completion. From the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And when God made everything in six days, he said, it is good, and he rested on the seventh day. Now, it's not that God needs to rest because he doesn't grow tired or weary, but he was setting a rhythm of life. He's saying, if you follow me as Lord, you do what I did. You rest on the seventh day in honor of what I've made. And we'll, we'll talk about the fact that it's also in honor of our redemption. So rest is associated with the kingdom. And I would say to you, rest is associated with trust. The more you trust your God with the way that he would outline your calendar, the way that he would say your priorities should exist, the more rest you will experience. And I'm not talking about laying in a hammock, uh, you know, for 24 hours on that day. I'm not talking about a lazy day. I'm talking about what true rest means. Trust equals rest. Trust in the living God and in his ways. Now, there's a little bit more in Leviticus, which is the next book to your right. Turn over there with me. Leviticus 23. Here, the seven feasts of Israel are laid out, all seven throughout the calendar year. As God opens, speaking through Moses in Leviticus 23, he starts out with the Sabbath. We're going to begin in verse one. I will just uh, note for those of you who are reading through the New Testament, and studying the life of Jesus, that Jesus had a custom of being in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And for the Jew, the Sabbath day would start on Friday at sunset and ends Saturday at sunset. Because in the Jewish mind, the day begins when the sun sets. So Friday evening to Saturday evening is the Jewish Shabbat. And there are Jewish Messianic believers and those who don't believe in Jesus who do keep the Shabbat today. And that means they prepare all their food before the sun sets. And when it sets, they are not to be working. And they use it as a way of practical rest and, you could say, theological rest. Here's the idea of where worship mixes in with that. Leviticus 23, uh, one says, The Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, The Lord's appointed times. Now think of your phone alarm or a calendar, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. For six days, Leviticus 23.3, work may be done. But on the seventh day, there is a Sabbath of complete rest. A holy convocation, the NIV says, a day of sacred assembly. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. Now, as the Lord lays out the covenant, the Ten Commandments, in the Hebrew picture language, it's interesting because the Sabbath means to return to the covenant. Every time Israel shut things down on a Friday evening and worship the Lord. And I want you to notice in Leviticus 23, 3, you have the idea of rest, but also a holy convocation. That is a day of sacred assembly. It mixes the ideas of worship and rest. And I would submit to you that the more you worship, the more rest comes into your life. Amen the more practical, spiritual rest. The more you draw near to God, the more he imparts these spiritual blessings as you honor what he says. And so in Leviticus 23, note it, you have the idea of a kingdom clock, a way that you follow the rhythm of your creator, the one that you call the king of your life. He has claims on your life, and this is how you follow him. Now, the Sabbath day was actually laid out Back to Exodus, take a peek at chapter 16. Before the command was given. In Exodus 16, remember the miracle of the manna. Look at verses 21 and 22. It came about on the sixth day, Exodus sixteen twenty-one. They gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, Exodus sixteen twenty-one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance. 1622, a holy Sabbath to the Lord, bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to be kept until the morning. The Sabbath command was actually given prior to the actual spoken command and written command. Israel knew about this Sabbath rhythm that they were to set a, a day aside. And here's essentially what it means with all the debate about what it meant in terms of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It means that on the seventh day, you do not do business as usual. You slow down, you shut it down, and you focus on reflection, on who God is, on relationships, on emotional rest, on ending the grind, you name it, you can put it into this pot of the idea of resting on Shabbat. Cessation, rest, and even reflection on the goodness of God in your life. And this command in Exodus 20, verse eight, it says that you are to honor the Sabbath day, remember it, and keep it holy. How do you keep a day holy? What does that mean? Remember, whenever we see the word holy, it means to simply be set apart. So the day is especially set apart for God's work in your life. You are to hallow it. You are to make it special. Now, do you know that Jesus in his earthly ministry healed several people on the Sabbath day? Do you know how many people he healed on the Sabbath day? Take a guess. Seven. There's no mistaking that, brethren. He is sending a message. And when Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, five men and two women he healed on the Sabbath day, he was sending a message to the religious leadership of the day who had added man-made laws in 39 categories of different areas where you were not to do certain things on the Sabbath day. For example, if your false teeth fell out on the Sabbath day, You weren't supposed to pick them up and put them back in your mouth. And and, 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 you know why? That was considered work to pick up your false teeth. Now, they had a law that if you had something going on with your mouth or tooth pain and vinegar would help, you couldn't take vinegar medicinally. But if you happen to mix in vinegar with a meal and it happened to get in your mouth, and if you're healed, quoting one of the rabbis, then you're healed. They added all of these burdens upon people. So that people could barely move a muscle on the Sabbath day. And Jesus confronted that with seven different healings on the Sabbath. I'm gonna show you two of them so you can get the picture. We're gonna to move to Luke 13. Luke 13. And of course, Jesus, as a faithful Jew, would honor Shabbat services and honor the Sabbath day. But here he is, Luke chapter 13, and this is what occurs. Jesus often was in synagogues on the Sabbath day, teaching, instructing, and here's the account, 1310. And Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, Luke 1310, on the Sabbath. There was a woman who for 18 years, uh, I was teaching on this, and a brother who attends first service, a man named Tom, pointed out to me that 18 is 666. It's the number of man. And we're going to find out that somehow, though not all sickness can be attributed to a spiritual or demonic force, this woman in this condition, somehow a spirit had affected her life. And this is the sad situation. She's obviously in the synagogue, but for 18 years, she had a sickness caused by a spirit, 11, and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. For 18 years, this is how this woman lived. Like this.
0: You've been listening to The Fourth Commandment, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus, Chapter 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today, Or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month, or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 20 about the fourth commandment. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.